The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Echo Chamber. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the Amir editor of Provoke, formerly known as The Homes Report, and I'm here in London with Scott Guthrie, an independent influencer marketing consultant and co-author of a new future-proof report called We're All Influencers Now. Scott, hello and thanks for coming along for a chat. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Great, great to see you finally. I know we've been trying to put this together for... Many weeks, possibly months. I think it's. I think it's actually a year. <laughs> well, I think it's actually a year. We've yeah. been trying to do this, uh, but we have a news hook now, so that's all good. Um, now, before we dive into this uh, new guide or report, tell me a bit about your background and how you became interested in specialising in um, advising on influencer marketing. Well, I've always been on the peripheries of of public relations and marketing and, and communications. I, I started off my career a million years ago in journalism. Uh, and then moved to 210 Communications, which was which was brought out by PR Newswire. Um, and ultimately, I was the, the first wire product manager for Europe, Middle East and Africa. Okay. So I've always been always been in that area. But uh, I had to make good on a promise to my uh, to my my significant other, Patricia. And we moved to Australia. And um, Whilst I didn't think that uh, employers would be uh, queuing up with uh, with offers of work, I found it harder to get work than, than I thought. I had an MBA, I had 10 years at United Business yeah. Media, had had a strong track record, but I still found it hard. And so I built up um, sort of contacts more in London and in New York and, and Toronto, weirdly, uh, out, of, out of Sydney, and sort of developing my own, I suppose, personal brand, and then moved more into understanding how social media influencers and, and bloggers how they worked in the, in the in the space and then when I came back from from uh, two years in in Sydney uh, I was offered an opportunity to head up a division in Ketchum okay and that was, and uh, that, that that was largely I suppose through an introduction from Stephen Waddington who was at the time the chief engagement officer there okay and um, why influencers though what's the fascination there well I think it's well it's old and it's new, like everything. But we, we like to repackage, re, re, rebadge it, and and I think we've done we've done that very very well. PR has, has always worked with influencers. You know, we've always worked with journalists. We've always worked with analysts. You know, we we understand you know influence and and how to influence Key opinion and leaders. All absolutely, of that stuff. All, all of all of that good stuff. Uh, but now you know, but but now but I think it sounds a bit old fashioned now, but. Th- through the social web, we have uh, an ability to all be influencers mm. now. So I think the 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 industry is 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 growing quickly, uh, and it's it's got tremendous growth spurts, but it's also got some some growing pains there as well. But I think it's still small enough to to be to be malleable enough, and for me, in a very small way, to put my my thumbprint on the mm. industry, certainly in the UK. So I enjoy that it's moving at a pace. I enjoy that it's professionalising at speed. My 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 credibility, I suppose. You know, my 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 work experience and my my, my academic sort of stuff 
can help sort of throw a, throw a rope around it and try to pull it up and, and move it in the right direction. And that's what I'm trying to do with a little bit, in a very small way, with public relations as well. OK. Um, well, we can all do with uh, with a little bit of being pulling up by the bootstraps. So how how do we do, how are we defining an influencer now? When we think of the Instagram beauties with the filters and the and the water bottles and and all that kind of stuff, but there's obviously a really strong B two B thread as well in influencers. How are we defining it? Well, we 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 could we could do the entire uh, podcast two definitions, and I think that is that is part of the the, the problem with influencer marketing as as a discipline. We need a more robust lexicon. So when we talk about media, we understand that at one end it's the Financial Times and mm. the other end it's, it's the Daily Star and everything in between. We don't really understand that with influencer marketing. So influencer marketing can be, um, it, can, it can and it does, you know, with, with underneath the, the great umbrella, uh, it can be celebrity endorsement, it can be uh, B2B, influencer relations, uh, it can be... Um, Instagram phenomenons, it can be uh, reality TV star who have now moved on moved on to Instagram. You know, it, it can be a whole whole gamut of mm. stuff. But for me, influence is really people or, or social media influence are people that are subject matter experts in whatever vertical it might be that have that have consistently create compelling content and they've created a, a community around that. Okay. Uh, and so, with that community comes engagement, and with that community becomes an influence. They, you know, it's an ability to change an opinion or or a behaviour. And why have why has the influencer ecosystem become so important to brands? I think you know what's the alternative? I mean, it's it's, it's a flippant and, and perhaps a trite comeback, but you know, we are not as trust trusting in institutions mm. or in legacy media. Uh, as we once, as we once were, or even you know, in big brands, yeah. but we do tend to trust people that we think are relatable and people like us. So it's peer to peer, word of mouth, and we think of influencers as that, but at, at scale, mm. if you like. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, how are you going to tap into uh, into an audience where you know. Whether the daily, the average Daily Mail reader, I think the average age is something like fifty nine. You know, the Daily Telegraph is is in their sixties, and free to wear uh, linear television again, the same sort of um, graying mm. um, viewership, late fifties, early sixties for for BBC One and Two, uh, Channel Four, even you know the, the, the young pups probably in the, in the early fifties. So how are you going to tap <laughs> into? You know, how are you going to tap gives into? Us some perspective, I know, I mean, well, it? So how are you going to reach reach an audience? Yeah, anyone under, under fifty? Anyone under fifty? Yeah. And of course, you know, uh, the whole way that we buy things has changed. You know, if you know, if, if we want to buy any, uh, you know, if we want to do some product research, we, we turn to Google. Mm. We Google it. We look at we look at reviews. But increasingly, we turn to social media. Um, and on social media. Um, we are more likely to follow an influence on social media than we are a brand directly. Yeah. And over uh, over over one, more than one in three, over a third of sixteen to twenty four year olds will start their product research on social media. Okay. Then they will on that's over that's over Google and that's over 
you know, I don't know, researching in a, li- a library or something absurd like that. What's a library, Scott? <laughs> what is a library? Um, so how have you seen, you've obviously been following this for some time as the, as the um, this particular slice of the comms pie has developed. Have you seen the, the discipline and practice of influencer marketing involve? And where are we now in terms of rigor and credibility and best practice and all that kind of grown-up stuff? So we're not just getting excited about yeah. throwing money at somebody yep. with millions of followers. Yep. Well, um, I th- there's a, there's a, a, a slightly mean and pejorative term that you know influencer marketing <laughs> is, is, is the wild west, and I think that's unfair. And I, and I think it's it's kind of badged up a little bit like that by uh, mainstream media, and I think there are four reasons probably why it has been badged up by uh, by mainstream media as as you know a lawless discipline. One, I think, because mainstream media has sort of eulogised it for, for several years. In the last eight, eighteen months, they, they've they've you know it's, they've eased back, and it's like a bit like the tall poppy syndrome. You know, they've built it up now and knocking it down. I think, secondly, there is a commercial disincentive to keep promoting it if you're from mainstream media, because increasingly, influencers and, and mainstream media are vying for the same ad spend. Mm. I think, three, there's this conflation between influencer advertising and influencer marketing. Influencer advertising is, is kind of you know, best best thought of is you know Live Island contestants that have big Instagram following, and then they will they may there are some of them that may sell as many products, uh, different products as as possible because they understand that their their sort of their moment in the sun is finite. Yes, they have their fifteen minutes. Yeah, they've got their fifteen right. minutes, and and fourthly, yeah, there are some bad actors. Yeah. You know, but I think there are four. You know, and there are people that buy fake following and people that buy fake engagement. So I think there are, there are four reasons why there is sort of a, a downplay, sort of a, a downer on on influence marketing in the mainstream media. I think you know the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, and the CMA, the Competitions and Market Authority, two big watchdogs in the UK, whose whose auspices. Um, uh, extend over influencer marketing. They, they've been accused of being uh, asleep at the wheel, and, and I think that's possibly the case. You know, two years two years ago, they've done a lot of work in the last year, eighteen months, to build that awareness, to to put guides guidelines in place, uh, and to produce lots of collateral on to bring awareness up. And mm. they've done they've they've done that pr- pretty well. So in terms of where where we are, I think we are a lot more sophisticated than the mainstream media would have us believe. Um, and I think we're moving in the right direction with the Advertising Standards Authority and the Competition Market Authority. How do we measure it? You know, we're moving away from the vanity metrics of, you know, of theoretical reach, of likes and engagement numbers. And I think we're moving more towards uh, intent metrics and impact metrics. Right. And that's the way it's got to be. So you will hear about influencer fraud, Yes, there are bad actors that buy fake followers, that buy buy fake engagement, but really they shouldn't come into the equation because we should be measuring beyond that. Yeah. What happens after the engagement? Have they swiped up? Have they clicked? Have they downloaded something? Have they have they bought something? That's where the measurement should be. So it's, it's academic, you know, how many of those are, are fake followers, really, because we shouldn't be monitoring measuring that. Well, it's it's like every other aspect of comms and PR, isn't it? The measurement metrics uh, have got to go beyond 
channel reach and to go straight for business impact, really. So it's just bringing it in line with hopefully what the rest of the the industry is doing. Now, you've you've uh, co-authored a report with the, the Twitter famous influencer, Mr. Stephen Waddington. Um, uh, we're all influencers now, which is subtitled Guide to Influencer Marketing Governance for Public Relations, which sounds yeah. very grown up and serious. Yeah. How did the guide come about? Well, like all good ideas, it started off with a Negroni uh, <laughs> in a campaign. David uh, Gallagher, are you listening? In a campaign bar in Peckham. And, oh, oh, hang yeah. on. That's like those two things don't go together, do they? I mean, it's like, am I just dissing Peckham? Uh, well, I think, I think you've, you've gone only falls and horses. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to come and uh, uh, ch- check out okay, the bar with you're me. You're on. It's but, a date. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I meet up with, with Waddington, you know, not not as much as I, I used to when we were at Ketchum, but, you know, every three or four months. And uh, whenever we do, we, 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 the conversation turns to influencer marketing. And, and I have frustrations. I've, I've, I've contacted and uh, trying to work with the PRCA and the CIPR. And now that now uh, I've got, a, we've actually now just very recently set up uh, an influencer marketing panel at, at the CIPR. But back in the summer, I, w- I was frustrated that, I think that the, the natural home of influencer marketing really should be with, with belong to public relations. Not to say it should own it, but I think it should really be at the top table leading it. Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity, because we said it at the, at the top of the podcast, where we've always worked with, with influencers through journalists and, and, you know, and analysts and, 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 you know, key, key opinion leaders. Um, but, it, we, but we're not very good at, our, you know, we're not as good as our um, more sharp-elbowed creative industry cousins at staking our claim on it. Yeah. And I think we've lost the argument a lot with things like content marketing or or SEO or or even social media of where does it where does it sit um, and so I, I was belly aching to to Waddington you know, several times he said well let, let, shut up let's get on and do, let's do it and r- rather sadly uh, halfway through our dinner he got out his laptop and by the end of the meal we'd, we'd put a very rudimentary bare bones structure on what the report might be okay. uh, and that that was its genesis well that's like a true commitment to your, to your <laughs> industry well, I was, that's why I, I was a bit disappointed I was, I was two and a half pints in and uh, <laughs> I was really rather looking forward to the next one but uh, I had to slow uh, down and start thinking that's it you have dinner with Stephen <laughs> um, so tell me what the issues are around governance and influencer marketing for the comms industry what's the, what's the need here of the well, well the first one is we, we've touched on it a, a second ago it's just awareness you okay. know what, what are the rules um, in a and uh, you know, it, uh, the second so what are there rules? Who governs it? And then what the rules are? And what the rules kind of are are you know, is it just about paid content? Mm. Um, and so you know, where where I think it's you know, where there might be a question mark with public relations, for example, who are sort of better known for gifting products or gifting experiences. Yeah. Let, let's say a hotel chain. If you invite someone in and give them a free stay, and hopefully there'll, there'll be coverage, or uh, or or a meal or whatever it is, that that that's payment in kind, and so you know it is what understanding what the rules are and, and how to declare those rules. Okay, um, there's a bit which I think Sarah Waddington, who edits the whole Future Proof series, says in her intro to this particular guide, um, the rise of influencers has put marketing and public relations on a collision course between earned and paid media, and I want to know if you think that's a Bad thing necessarily. I think you know. I I, I think you know. I think we're all blurring in in, in, yeah. in, in into one area. 
Now, you have specialists within that area, but I don't think we can, you know, and I think it's dangerous. That's why I, I, it might be a slightly nuanced point, but I make the point of leading influencing, influencer mm. relations or influencer marketing rather than owning it. I think the, the days of ownership are over. That, that's, that says to me, you know, castles and moats and, and feudal, yeah. feudal, feudal life and serfs. Rather, we should be being collaborative. Okay. Uh, and, and so I think we can learn from, from, from each other and we can demonstrate different areas of the practice. And, and, and probably you know, an example of, of that is, you know, we're all in business to stay in business. And that, that, that's you know, a given. But marketing um, looks after customers and prospect customers, prospective customers. Public relations people have a wider brief. It's all about the, all of the important people mm. surrounding, surrounding a, a company. And so, yes, influencer marketing is terribly good at, at selling stuff. Daniel Wellington uh, has built a whole uh, mid-priced watch company, you know, yeah. a multi- multi-million pound company out out of influence with influence. Emily Vice, uh, ten years ago, she was working um, uh, on on uh, at Vogue. She set up a, a blog uh, into the gloss. Now that company is worth a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, so great at selling stuff. But there is a, often you know, a higher calling, possibly, or a different calling, at least, within influencer marketing or influencer relations. Same tactics, different outcomes. Um, so, um, so, for example, I think that the body shop has worked with influencers in two very separate ways. One, to sell its products. It's got mm-hmm. a thousand products in its product line. Two, to not just raise awareness, but to make positive social change. And a couple of years ago, it um, had a campaign where it wanted to create or generate uh, 8 million signatures for a petition against cruelty or testing, uh, testing cosmetics on animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't just about, you know, have you seen the campaign? Have you liked? Have you engaged with it? It was actually signing up to a petition. And they managed, they achieved 8.2 million signatures in 10 months. So, you know, where does that sit? Is that, uh, is that marketing or is that public relations? You know. Um, there's a lot of talk now, uh, you know, about purpose wash or woke washing. Purpose or, you know, washes everywhere. And we're going to see so much more of that in this year. And influencer marketing is really pouncing on on purposeful uh, delivery. But you know, where, where does that where does that sit? And you know, I, I hate to use the phrase you know, the ethical guardian, but you know, PR should be thinking beyond who is buying it and potential people are buying it. But really, you know, are these are what we're saying true to, you know, part of our DNA? Mm. Are they true to our values? Or are we just trying to bandwagon onto the next thing? And what do you think, given that there is that blurring of lines, which we're seeing across the board, what do you think the opportunity is for PR in the influencer marketing space? Does it matter whether we, say, not own it, but lead it? I think we have to be there at the discussion. I think, yes, I think it really is important. Mm. Um, because otherwise, it will just be, you know, a paid-for discipline that is just about selling product. And yes, whether it's wristwatches or, or toothpaste or lipstick, that's great. But there can be something bigger, something high, high, higher calling, whether it's you know, campaigning against animal cruelty yeah. or whether it was there was a great campaign by the British Army uh, this last year, you know, working with it, with uh, working with an influencer marketing. Now, they, you know, they weren't selling more products, but they were trying to get more, more people to sign up to the British Army. Mm. And uh, if I look at my notes very quickly, you know, a month into the campaign, they got they had their army applications were up seventy one percent, and within seven months uh, into their recruitment year, they had eighty eighty percent of their roles were filled. 
Now that that's not that's not selling a, a stuff. That yeah. is, that is you know that is a the higher calling. Well, it's changing behaviour. Yeah, that's as changing well, behaviour, and so that that's where it sits in, yeah. in in PR. So does it matter? Yes, it does because otherwise I think we'll just be blindsided and we'll just go down one route when it could be the discipline could be opened up to different ideas. Okay, uh, and be a lot more creative as a result. Presumably. Be a lot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what are the pitfalls? Because there's there's dangers here. We've talked a little bit about influence of fraud, fake followers, whether reach is a true number, whether in fact reach matters at all. Um, influence of fraud always makes me think of the infamous fire festival where actually the influencers themselves were kind of duped into influencing on something that didn't exist. So it's kind of multi, yeah, it's multi, it's a multi-layered fraud yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the pitfalls and things to be aware of rather than just diving straight into I mean, I guess identifying the right people to work with must come right at the top of that. Well, I think even before then, is it is the is the channel right for your objectives? Okay. So right back, you know, uh, if if someone says, you know, Brandon approaches me and said, I want to help you with your, you know, I want you to help us with, with your influencer marketing. You know, I say that that's awesome. What's your objective? You know, and it might might be influencer marketing might be perfect. It might not be. Okay. Secondly, then you have to understand. Know, your audience, and and then you do some uh, audience mapping with with the influencers' um, audience. Uh, the pitfalls, yes, I think Casper, you know, the bed and, bed in the box uh, manufacturer, yeah. mentioned uh, in its IPO documentation uh, uh, listed influencers as a risk. Um, so, I mean, I again, we said right at the top of the of of the our chat today. Um, you know, there's a problem with the lexicon around around influencer marketing. I think Casper had a, had a beef with affiliate marketing sites and and review sites. So where does that sit within influencer marketing? But yes, you know, when you are searching for the most appropriate influencer, mm. yes, you know, that 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 is you know that 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 is where you should spend the time and f- making making sure that well they they are the most appropriate. So that you'll start with the data. Uh, and you'll start with with understanding, you know, are, is it the, are they the right age and are they in the right location geographically and all of those good stuff. Have they bought fake followers and bake, uh, bought fake engagement? All of that good stuff. But it's also the contextual intelligence of of the of the communicator. So you know, are, do they share the same values? Mm. Do they? Do, uh, is it the right sort of tone of voice? Um, have they mentioned your brand in the past? They might not have worked with you, but have they mentioned you in, in the past? And if so, has, has the sentiment been positive or, or neutral or, or even negative? That they, those sorts of things. And it takes time to do that properly. Mm. Uh, and therefore, it's costly and you need third-party tools. So it makes perfect sense, I think, if you've gone through that that heartache of of identifying them and, and, select, uh, and searching them and, and then vetting them and then ultimately selecting them and then putting them in the contract and get the lawyers involved, why would you not continue to work with them and create a you know a more uh, a better form mutually beneficial relationship? Yeah. You know, but often um, people uh, often in the different in, uh, industries will, will look at influencers as a media buy. They'll see their reach, they'll and they'll treat them like a like a billboard. That they'll uh, they'll see that the, the audience maps nicely. They'll buy them for one activation and then they won't use them again. So you know the, when you get when you have those sort that sort of approach that transactional approach, then the creativity creativity is not there mm. because the trust isn't there on both sides. So both sides, the influence and the brand, when they don't make put much effort into it, they don't really care about it. Mm. So I think that's that's you know another area where 
I suppose the more rounded and the relationship building uh, aspect of public relations should be built yeah. into it. And indeed, m- many of the big agencies have invested an awful lot into building their own tools. MSL springs to mind. Yeah. they've really, you know, really spent some money on making sure that this is this is going to be a viable and sustainable strand of comms and that you know particular. Uh, ability the industry has to to relate to lots of different stakeholders. Well, of course, because it, it's it's a, you know it's a, it's about reputation, mm. and you know you can't you can't legislate for what a human's going to do in the future. Uh, you know, we all have the propensity to be jerks. So, you know, at some, yeah, that's uh, like Tom Cruise movie, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what punished we, for our future <laughs> crimes. But what we can do. <laughs> What we can do is is kind of is limit that exposure by doing a proper uh, sort of a d- d- proper vetting and proper search. You know, it, 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 you know. At um, well, you, you said you're not not the the home report. I almost let that that go. You know, For, formerly known as the home report. <laughs> but if you are hiring a, a new journalist, yes, you look at their you look at their skill set. You yeah. look at their experience. But you know, you'll probably dig into, into what they've done, the tone of ice, and all those sorts of things. You'll do that because you want them to be a valued member of your team yeah. for a long time. Yeah. You know, and why wouldn't you go into it with the same sort of recruitment hat uh, going into work? It's interesting way of looking at it. You are kind of recruiting a member of the team, aren't you? Yeah. It's also going to have a very public facing role. It's very public, and and it's your reputation, mm. of course. You know. Um. So do some crystal ball gazing for us. Where is influencer marketing going this year and beyond? How can you see it evolving further? Well, it, well, it's only getting bigger. Um, you know, is it a fad? No, it's not a fad. And we know that it's not. You know that it's. You know, in the words of uh, Karen Carpenter, it, it's only just begun. <laughs> we, we we know we know that because big businesses and big brains are putting big money into it. Yeah. You know, you've got Estee Lauder now saying that it's putting seventy five percent of its ad spend, ad spend behind influencer marketing. Really, that much? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, uh, you know, and you've got uh, Martin Sorrell, um, you know, um, now with his S4 Capital, just bought IMA, uh, Influencer Marketing Agency, out of the Netherlands, um, and, and is sticking that into into Media Monks. Clever, clever guy, obviously, and he, he, he sees the future all digital and, it's, and, 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 and influencer marketing. You've got, um, again, you know... A, the, uh, the the mainstream media and some of the vertical media um, are down on the influence of marketing with Keith Weed, the outgoing CMO of Unilever, mm-hmm. and that they, they quoted him on the eve of Cannes year before last, saying uh, all about influence of fraud and how you know, his, his three commitments you know to influence of fraud. What they what what wasn't really picked up was, or in the same speech, him saying how how helpful and how useful how important influence of marketing was. So a matter of weeks after his retirement, after 30-plus years at, at Unilever, he announced a, a, his first investment post-retirement was in an influencer marketing platform. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks later, Unilever uh, announced that it just raised, uh, helped raise $12.5 million to put into another influencer marketing platform. So big brains, big, big money is, is going into the industry. Woke washing, pu- uh, purpose washing, green washing, whatever, that's going to be a big thing. And so you really need to, you know, seasoned practitioners need to be able to um, keep their, hold their own clients to account and say, yeah, that, that's great, but it's not part of your DNA. It's got to be consistent, hasn't it? It's got to be, you know, you've really got to care about it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, um, otherwise the audience are really going to, you know, it's not going to pass the smell test no. and go, get found out, and that, yeah. you know, and and it'll be detrimental, obviously, to, to your reputation. I think we talked a lot uh, in this session about um, 
how brands vet influencers. I think increasingly influencers are going to vet brands. Good point, yeah. Um, you know, an influencer, you know, is, is a social publisher. It's a, mm. it's a media masthead of one. They're looking after their own corporate identity and they, they are only going to work with brands that they, they, they admire and trust and respect. And if they don't, their community will, will hold their heels yeah. to, the, to the fire and say, no, this, this doesn't work for me. You know, you're, yeah. you're a sellout. And then you lose, you lose your audience, therefore you lose your, your, your influence. Yeah. And then you're out of business. So th- those, those, those are, I think, three. I think virtual influencers, they'll stop, they'll stop to be a sci-fi thing and start to be a real thing. Uh, and I think the, the presidential election uh, and uh, sort of deep fakes will will make us understand the, the potential, the positive potential of virtual influencers, where I think they, they're going to start coming in. Okay. Oh, gosh, that is like, that's quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to seeing that. Now, finally, give me your top takeaway or tip for comms professionals who are working with influencers in 2020. Um, well, well, there are a couple. I think we've covered them all, but you know, it, influencer marketing exists, and it's your t- it's your turf. It's not someone else's turf. Okay. You know, uh, there, there's a tremendous example of an activation by ProRail in the Netherlands, which is the, the, the Dutch equivalent of Network Rail. They they sought to lower their, the number of accidents on the uh, on the Dutch railways. That's that's not selling product. That's not selling. You know, that is that's doing a really powerful cause so it's your territory to own and you know it doesn't have to be just about um gifting programs or press releases or event invitations you know it, it's it's public relations and it's prs uh, and it's comms is turf to own or to lead i should say okay cool scott thank you very much for i talked too quickly no you didn't it's all good thank, thank you, you very for much. thanks for coming on you've been listening to the echo chamber Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Today.